This is the WQA podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. In those situations, wildfires came into the communities and burned down buildings. And in Lahaina, they burned down 2,000 buildings. That caused contamination to be sucked into the drinking water system, the distributed system, the public water system, and then it was spread in certain places. That's Dr. Andrew Welton from Purdue University talking about the impact of wildfires on drinking water, a presentation he'll be giving at the WQA convention and exposition coming up March 5th through the 7th in Orlando. And welcome to the weekly podcast from WQA, promoting better water quality around the world. If you're a first time listener or new to the industry, welcome, we're glad you're here. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show. That is the magic of podcasting. And be sure to share the podcast with someone on your team or a friend or associate. In fact, we now feature these podcasts, perhaps you're watching, on our YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash at Water Quality Association videos. In this episode, we're joined by Dr. Welton, as well as Callie Matheny, the Foundation Relations Manager, at the Water Quality Research Foundation. She'll give us an overview of the WQRF Symposium taking place one day before the convention. We'll also talk with Dr. Tanya Lubner, the WQA Director of Training and Professional Certification about the great education sessions offered at convention, and we'll have our WQA tip. And now on to my conversation with Dr. Andrew Welton, Callie Matheny, and Dr. Tanya Lubner on the WQA podcast. In this podcast, we are going to be talking about the, uh, well, the impact on drinking water from environmental disasters, let's call them. Situations like what we had in the past year with a train derailment in Ohio, for example, or the wildfires out in uh, Hawaii. What what kind of impact uh, did they have on drinking water and how did our industry respond and how can we be prepared for these kinds of things in the future? We're joined by Dr. Andrew Welton, a professor of civil, environmental and ecological engineering at Purdue University. So, uh, Dr. Welton, or can I call you Andy? Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, tell us a little bit about yourself and your work at Purdue. That'd be great to hear to, just to kick things off. So at Purdue, I direct the Center for Plumbing Safety, and we find ourselves often being asked what chemicals or contaminants are in the water, and if they get into buildings, what do we need to do about them? This pertains to wildfires, chemical spills, hurricanes, floods, and other disasters. And that's really where science meets policy and decision-making. Okay, very good. And you will be speaking at, uh, in a couple of presentations at the upcoming WQA convention. First, the symposium, the WQRF symposium that takes place actually one day before the convention begins on March 4th. And then you'll be speaking as one of our education presenters during the convention, which is March 5 through 7, 
in uh, both of them taking place in Orlando, uh, wqa.org slash convention for more information about the convention and to register and get signed up. But uh, tell us a little bit, your presentation, uh, just what you plan to be covering in these presentations. Well, during some of the presentations, we're going to share some results that we've had with firsthand experience responding to these disasters. And many people are wondering, or they see things on TV, and they're wondering really what happened, or, or, or any households or businesses facing things that are not being talked about. That's some of the information we're going to share. So we're going to share some of the work about the chemicals we identified, uh, how we went about doing that, where they went, where they remained, and what the exposures through water supplies as well as other uh, media uh, were and continue to be for the communities impacted. And in those communities, in those situations, we mentioned Ohio at the outset, we mentioned Hawaii. How was drinking water affected? Can you go into any detail at this point? Absolutely. So in the February 2023 train derailment, multiple rail cars ruptured and some of them actually rolled into a creek, <clears throat> released their products. And then five days later, officials set others on fire on purpose so that they wouldn't really need to worry about this chemical called vinyl chloride that was in the five rail cars. And that resulted in the spread of significant amounts of contaminants into the environment. This was particulates, smoke. You can see a big mushroom black cloud that was in East Palestine, Ohio. But there was also chemicals that went into the groundwater, that went into the soil, went into the creeks. And um, we spent a lot of time uh, tracking these contaminants down, trying to figure out where they were. And we had many questions with um, households and businesses about how to get it out of the water once it's there. Yeah, so they came to you with questions, and, and what were the solutions? Well, generally with any disaster, and you're going to hear this a recurring theme that I have, um, those people with treatment solutions need to really press to understand what of data is available about what the complexity of the chemicals are. Because when disasters happen, it's not that prescribed. It's not, for example, like manganese. We know manganese is in the water in certain groundwaters, and so we can plan for that with our treatment technologies. Here, in these types of disasters, we really need to rely on people that go in and hunt down what chemicals are present, figure out what the delta is, how variable the chemical concentrations could be that you need to treat, and then you can pick the treatment solutions and validate how they, they proceed. So, so that's really what people need to realize. And um, even to this day in East Palestine, Ohio, there's some concern and questions about what the long-term chemical levels will be in these waters. And, and did, uh, but was there some uh, resolution uh, that the uh, industry members who were in the area were able to provide? <clears throat> so some of the industry members that, that have reached out and, and provided in-home water treatment solutions have, have stated that the testing needs to continue because they don't know if the contamination is yet at people's private drinking water wells, for example. Even the state agencies and the federal agencies are testing the drinking water wells in East Palestine, Ohio, because they haven't figured out how long it's gonna take for that contamination in the groundwater 
to get all the way to the wells. And so in that situation, it, it's kind of um, still unknown when the contamination is going to reach the private wells, but there are treatment solutions should it get there. In Maui, which is a, an island of Hawaii, um, they experienced uh, four significant wildfires. <clears throat> and you might have seen them on TV. Uh, there were two communities that were significantly impacted. One is called Kula, and the other one is called Lahaina. And in those situations, wildfires came into the communities and burned down buildings. And in Lahaina, they burned down 2,000 buildings. That caused contamination to be sucked into the drinking water system, the distributed system, the public water system, and then it was spread in certain places. And so today, Maui County, which runs the drinking water system, is conducting testing to find out how bad the contamination is and where it is. And people are all looking at that data, as well as treatment uh, device manufacturers and companies to determine what type of in-home solutions can be provided. And did the industry respond in any way specifically to these needs? There have been some um, industry members who have installed treatment devices in people's homes. And in one of the things that we've seen, though, is that we don't really understand the delta yet or what's present to the degree that we need to. And so uh, these are, are proactively installed, not necessarily to definitely make the water safe. Testing is needed by these federal agencies and state agencies to really figure out what the scale of contamination is. I think from your description, people are getting an understanding that this takes a while to figure out. And, and yet at the same time, you, one can imagine consumers and uh, homeowners really clamoring for instant information. Would that be the case? Absolutely. Not only are homeowners clamoring for information, but um, individuals and innovators in the water treatment industry should also be clamoring for this government testing information because they can better help communities impacted by having access to that publicly accessible information. So the health uh, officials, the regulators and the government officials, would you say they have um, an awareness of the point of use, point of entry industry and how it might be part of the solution? I think there's a there's confusion uh, within some of the, the state agencies, county agencies and federal agencies. On one sense, um, some some agencies and, and professionals think of these things as panaceas, uh, which ignores some of the limitations of certain technologies. And in other cases, uh, they're too conservative and they are just adamantly against uh, in-home treatment to solve some of these problems. And I think that's primarily due to education and they're not understanding necessarily what their own contamination that they're dealing with is. So I think we can move forward as an industry and a sector to help these communities if government officials have the data and can make decisions that can then open the doors for the treatment industry to come in and provide solutions where they're applicable. So it's really an ongoing dialogue, I would imagine, for uh, for quite some time. And to that point, uh, what do you think would be uh, something you can suggest? Perhaps you've got this already uh, prepared in your presentation, but what will you be suggesting our members 
consider doing to make sure they're prepared? What if something happened in their community? How, how might they be ready to respond to a situation uh, that uh, is either accidental, perhaps man-made, but still unexpected? Well, I think we see that happen a lot where members of, of the in-home water treatment or in-building water treatment solutions industry act to, to help their own you know, friends or families or clients and in schools. And what we really need is, is advocacy on behalf of the industry to encourage government agencies and these water utilities and such to provide information as fast as possible and as complete as possible so that the industry can make informed decisions. We often find that agencies are very slow in releasing information and that inhibits the decision and also increases the risk that the business may take by getting involved in the process and providing a solution that may not be aligned with what the issues are. Well, we want to thank you for being a presenter at convention as well as at the WQRF Symposium. And uh, to that point, I want to bring in Callie Matheny, our Foundation Operations Manager at the Water Quality Research Foundation, and uh, talk a little bit more about the symposium. Callie, thanks for joining us. Sure. We're excited to do this. This is our second year of offering kind of a, a, a different educational component uh, prior to convention kicks off. So again, we're happening, this symposium is happening on Monday, March 4th, and it's a one-day event really dedicated to offering some issues that are important to all stakeholders in water. So our morning sessions will be focused primarily on the topic of PFAS again. We have two hydrologists from the USGS joining us. Uh, Kelly Smalling and Dr. Paul Bradley will be here to discuss their PFAS surveillance project at the TAP. So we're excited to have that session kind of kick us off that morning right away at 10 a.m. We'll be following that up with a session that's specific to PFAS and the life cycle of PFAS. We've got um, Dr. Tim Townsend from the University of Florida joining us. He is a waste expert. We have someone joining us um, to discuss biosolids, and we have a new technology and new destruction technology being featured as well. Uh, Sarah Meyer will be there to represent inspired technology, so we're excited for that. Our keynote session for lunch is a little bit different. We're featuring uh, the world premiere of a documentary film that will be a part of the World Water Film Festival this year. The name is called Sludge. We're very excited to be screening this. Um, so that will be kind of the, the kickoff to our lunch, followed by a legal debrief with um, an attorney by the name of Ashley Campbell. Um, she is a fairly well-known PFAS litigator, and she's going to share some information about um, you know, litigation happening throughout the United States. And then in the afternoon, that's when we kind of take a turn to water's resiliency, and we're excited about that. That's when um, Dr. Walton will be joining us along with um, the U U.S. Army Corps of Engineers will also be a part of that. We'll be talking about climate change and how it, it impacts water. And then finally, we'll wrap up with um, innovations in water. We have Dean Emhouse joining us from the Water Council, as well as Joe Jackangelo from Stantec. Um, and he'll be kind of talking a little bit about AWWA's initiative for Water 2050. So we're excited to hear about that. And then finally, 
we will wrap up the day with the first official poster presentations. WQRF put a call out for poster presentations this year. We'll have two winners that will be featured as part of our educational content. So they'll do their poster presentations quickly before we transition into the networking component for the day. So as you can hear, it's a jam-packed lineup and we're really excited about it. So register now. Yes, and more information can be found at the convention site, again, WQR, excuse me, wqa.org slash convention or at wqrf.org as well. And also wanted to bring in Dr. Tanya Lubner, who is the Director of Professional Certification and Training at WQA. And Tanya, welcome. We wanted to have you touch on uh, education in general. We've mentioned that Dr. Welton will be presenting during the uh, conference education sessions. Yes, thank you, Wes. Uh, we have uh, quite the variety of presentation topics. Uh, we always want to make sure that there's something for everybody at convention, whether they're more on the business operations side or on the technical side. So we, uh, on the business track, we have a lot of focus on revenue generation and whether that's getting, helping your salespeople create sales leads or, uh, hiring the right people, and actually hiring was uh, something that was pointed out by our members as being top of mind. So we definitely are, we have a whole general session that's going to be addressing that. We'll be touching on marketing, um, among other things. And as we have been doing for the last couple of years, we've been splitting our education, technical education, into a couple of different tracks. We have one for some, those that are brand new to the industry, and this is to help them come up to speed on the different technologies, as well as on making sure that they get a full picture of the problem before they start providing solutions. We also have our uh, commercial industrial track, which is going to uh, have both introductory sessions for those uh, who need a little advice on how to be successful in commercial applications. And we have more advanced topics, uh, such as I believe we're doing uh, zero liquid discharge, uh, things along those lines. And uh, we also, on Wednesday of convention, we're going to be following up Dr. Welton's session with uh, some suggestions, uh, some technical advice on how dealers can better respond to uh, these unknowns. We're going to talk about pilot testing, what's involved there. We're also uh, actually have a session I'm really excited about. This is not the follow-up to uh, Andy's session, but it's uh, a different format than we've ever done. Uh, we're going to look at uh, some goals for building design, and we're going to be trying to put together three different uh, aspects. We're going to try to optimize three different aspects, and that includes uh, energy efficiency, water efficiency, and finally, water quality. Usually, water quality doesn't figure into the equation, but we're going to have a number of very knowledgeable designers that handle various different aspects of this, and uh, we're going to open this up to the audience. We have a sample uh, design for them to work on, and they're going to provide feedback on what would they do to help optimize uh, all three of those aspects together. So that should be a lot of fun. 
That sounds fantastic. And again, wqa.org slash convention for more details and to get registered. Well, thank you to Dr. Tanya Lubner, to Kelly Matheny, and to Dr. Andrew Welton from Purdue University. Appreciate you all joining us, giving us some uh, uh, ideas of what's coming up at convention and how WQA members and others can take advantage of all of that great information. So thanks all to you for joining us today. And our WQA tip, a quick reminder about the special pre-convention programming along with the WQRF symposium, we have WQA Business Bootcamp, again, taking place Monday, March 4th uh, at Orlando at the Orange County Convention Center and also the RO sizing workshop. So you've got plenty of pre-convention programming to get started earlier and uh, start to meet your friends and make connections along the way. Get more information at the website, wqa.org convention. And we hope to see you in Orlando. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the WQA podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Learn more about WQA professional certification, product certification, and how you can become a member at wqa.org. This is Wes Bleed. So long from the Water Quality Association.